Well, good morning once again. It is good to be with you. Good morning to those of you here in person, those of you joining us line, online, hopefully someplace air-conditioned. Uh, great move. Good morning to the brave, brave souls up in the balcony. Oh, my goodness. Brave, maybe not so smart, but brave. No, not at all. Thank you for being here on such a warm day. I um, want to say hello to you as well from our senior pastor, Scott Dudley. Uh, Scott is on extended study leave uh, for the next couple of months. And extended study leave is a policy that Bell Press has for its senior staff uh, that every five years they would take some significant time to refresh, get some new ideas. Scott will be back at the end of August, uh, so no worries there. In the meantime, you'll hear from our, some of our extremely gifted young preachers. And from me. So today we're starting a short three-week series on the idea of purpose. Did you know that you were made for a purpose? But you have a sense of that. Deep down, we all have a sense that we were made for a purpose. And this sense kind of starts early on in life. When people start asking us those questions, what do you want to be when you grow up? Many of us in this room are still asking ourselves, what do we want to be when we grow up, right? Now, I knew uh, for myself that, um, uh, you know, kind of images from TV, images from my parents, different things like that, I knew from early on that I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to be one of those people who help bring justice in the world. I wanted to do all of that in a more behind-the-scenes way. And so uh, I knew that when I grew up, I wanted to be a, a ninja. Right? With the black outfit and the throwing stars because, and I think I would have made it a great ninja, but we, we start early on developing those ideas of what our purpose is. And as we get older, it doesn't get a lot easier or less complicated. And we come to these intersections in our careers or our relationships, and we think, what do we do now? What do we do now? Some of you are there in that place right now. What do I do now? Or tragedy hits, our job gets taken away, our health starts to fail, a loved one dies. And, and all we can do is grieve and cry out in anger, what, what is the purpose of this? And some of you are there right now. What is the purpose of this suffering? So for many of us and for much of the time, we find ourselves stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because on the one hand, we kind of have a sense that we're made for a purpose. But on the other hand, it's not always clear what that purpose is. It's confusing. And we try to figure things out. And if that sounds like you, then you're probably in good company. I'm with you. Are you asking those kinds of questions these days? Are you kind of feeling stuck at a crossroads? Or you're finding yourself at some kind of intersection? Well, in the text today, we find Saul at that kind of intersection. Saul was this man on a mission. He was very confident and clear about what his purpose was. He wasn't confused. Saul's purpose, he believed, was to crush this rising movement called Christianity. That's what he was setting out to do. That was his purpose, his mission. Christianity was messing with the way that he believed things worked in the world, kind of redefining what God was like. It was a threat to his religion. It was a threat to his way of life. It was a threat to his well-being. This was not okay. Saul was a man with a clear sense of his unique purpose in the world. And in the illustration that we're, that we're using for this three-week series, and you can find it on your, the cover of your bulletin if you can't see up there, um, we've got these three circles. 
And this is often how we think about discerning purpose. And it's a very useful, kind of helpful tool. But Saul, for Saul, all these three circles line up pretty well. For example, uh, Saul was great at what he did. Right? He, he had certain abilities, certain talents like yourself. He, he had some strengths. He was great at what he did. He was organized. He was confident. He was a self-starter. He was a go-getter. He crunched the numbers. He did the work. He was radically committed to his cause. If ever there was a, a purpose-driven kind of guy, Saul was your guy. In fact, Saul was exactly the kind of guy you would want to lead a movement. He's exactly the right guy. So if part of the formula for discovering your purpose is discerning what you're great at, well, Paul had that dialed in. No problem. Check. Paul also, Saul also seemed to love what he did. He seemed to kind of enjoy it. He enjoyed leading this quest to end Christianity. He had no problem speaking with great passion against the Christian. Earlier in the book of Acts, we, we see uh, Saul kind of in the background as Stephen, one of the early Jesus followers, is being stoned to death. And Saul's kind of hanging back there. And you can kind of imagine his arms folded and kind of the smug look on his face. And, and the text says he, he approved. He just approved of what was happening. He felt satisfied with what was happening. He was content with the work that he was doing. Like, this was good stuff. He, he knew he was about the right kind of stuff. So if part of the formula for discovering your purpose is discerning what you love to do, uh, Saul was clear on that. Check. And as far as Saul felt the world needed, that, that seemed clear too. He knew the world needed this Christianity stuff stamped out. It, it was messing with uh, all of the stuff that they understood about God. It was disrupting the rhythms and the values of true worship. And that was something that was very near and dear to Saul's heart. Because he was a Pharisee. And Pharisees always get a bad rap in Scripture. And, and for good reason. But uh, uh, there's more to the story. Because their mission statement, I, I think, is something we could actually get behind. Their, their mission was actually to protect, protect and preserve the reputation of God. That's how they saw themselves. We are here on this purpose to protect and preserve the reputation of God. So what that means is we want everybody to think rightly about God. And we want to obey him, to do what he says. We think that is best. That's a, that's a good mission statement. We can kind of get on board with that, hopefully. But there's a problem, obviously. Because Paul kind of misunderstood that. It's pretty good motivation, but... He understood Christianity to sort of fly in the face of, of again, his, his understanding of God. So he knew he had to act. He, he felt strongly the world needed this, needed him to act, needed him to put an end to this thing. He was clear about that. He had that piece lined up too. So the trifecta was working. He was great at what he did. He loved what he did. The world needed him to do what he did. In his mind, it was working. Did you know that it's, it's possible to be great at what you do, to love what you do, and even to have a clear connection between what you do and, and what the world needs and still miss the point? Isn't that confusing? Isn't that kind of scary? Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Sorry, that's all the notes I have, so we're, we're done. From our vantage point, we, we know that, of course, Jesus wanted this movement to get going, to take off, to catch fire, 
to change the world as we know it, which it has, to bring healing and wholeness, justice. But Saul, believing he was on a mission from God, still missed it. In his, in his move to, to, to serve God, to act for God, he missed the heart of God. How did this happen? How do we keep it from happening to us? Well, Saul had some similar problems uh, that we have. We think we understand how things might work, and we don't. We often think we've got it figured out, and, and we don't. A few weeks ago, my oldest son, Ryder, uh, he was uh, asking my wife, Katie, uh, where the sun went at night, which I think is a pretty astute question. I don't actually know, so I was glad she was there to answer. <laughs> Ryder's answer was, uh, I think it goes down in the sewer. <laughs> now, the sewer has become an important uh, part of uh, Ryder's imagination since potty training. And, you know, for obvious reasons we don't need to go into, but it's an important place. I think it goes down in the sewer. So uh, Katie smiled and, and just being the incredible mom that she is, she lovingly and patiently explained and actually fairly comprehensively explained how gravity works and how the earth rotates and how it orbits around the sun. And after about five minutes of this very loving, very patient, very comprehensive explanation, writer stopped her. He's three and a half. He looked at her intently. With great uncertainty, he said, I think it goes down in the sewer. I do. As far as I know, it does. So our problem is the same as Saul's problem. We, we think we know. It, it doesn't matter if somebody takes time to explain it to us. It doesn't matter how clear you think it is. Like, we're, we're, no, we, we got this figured out. We're going to do it our way. This is the same thing we do with, with purpose. Because when it comes to purpose, we go looking in all the wrong places. So we end up with all the wrong results. And like Saul, we often misunderstand the heart of God. And as a result, we often miss the heart of God. And I think that can happen in three particular areas. The first of these areas is power. Power. At its core, power is the ability to meet your own needs, to not need anyone. You can take care of it on your own. You can decide what you need, decide how you're going to get it. We go looking for our purpose and power because at, at the bottom, we all kind of want to be our own God. We want to be in charge. We think things like, if I could just do what I want with my life, if you would just get out of my way, if you would just let me have my own way here, if I could just call the shots, if I were in that position, if, our, uh, if money weren't a problem, if time weren't a problem, if all these constraints, if these things weren't issues, of course, I would fulfill my purpose. I would do it. I would live the life I was meant to live. And Saul knew about power. He had it. He loved it. He enjoyed using it. And, and here's the thing. Power is a very good thing. It's a good thing. God has given you power to co-create with him, power to dream up new solutions to problems that we have, power to influence others for good. Power is a, a good thing. It's just not the main thing. When we go looking for our purpose and power, we will naturally misuse the power that we've been given. That's what we see Saul doing. God is using his God-given power, his God-given influence for his mission. Meanwhile, God's mission is a different thing altogether. God, Saul misses the heart of God. Where do you misuse power to give yourself kind of a sense that, no, I'm, I'm significant, I'm worth it? Where do you lean a little too heavily maybe on a, 
a certain connection, a certain relationship, a certain skill set, a certain strength, a certain set of experiences, where you lean on those things a little too much such that trusting Jesus for those things gets replaced. Power is a good thing. It's just not the main thing. We can't find our purpose in power. Well, there's a second place we go looking for purpose. It's in performance. Performance. If I just work harder, if I can just get things organized just right, if I can just get my schedule worked out, if I can just get all, all my ducks in a row, I honestly have no idea what that phrase means. But if, we, if I can get my ducks in a row, then life is going to work out if I just work harder. Saul was this very hardworking guy. It's a hard-working Pharisee. He's traveling from region to region. He's going to all these meetings with senior executive leadership. He's organizing and managing and crunching the numbers and, and running Excel spreadsheets. He's working hard. And he believes deeply that if he just works harder, if he can just stick to it, he can get rid of Christianity. He can, he can do this. He can fulfill his purpose. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we are made to work. We are made in the image of a worker. We were made to work hard, and that's a good thing, but hard work is not the main thing. And especially in our East Side culture, hard work can even become a hiding place. Hard work can become a hiding place, a way of running from the real truth of who we are, of what God might want to do with us. Where do you use your work to hide a little bit? So I don't know about you, but if, if my calendar is full and people are kind of needing my attention, like it gives me a little bit of sense of significance. And those are good things. We're made to work. We're made to be satisfied in our work, and yet it's not the main thing. We can't find our purpose in our performance. There's a third key place I think we go looking for purpose, and it's this. It's in pleasure. In pleasure. And I, I don't just mean like illicit little uh, pleasures or stuff that can temporarily numb our pain, uh, like food or alcohol or illicit sex. I, I mean the idea that we have to feel good about our lives in order to really live them. I'm Gen X, and I mostly hang out with a lot of Gen Y, so I think I'm Gen X on the outside, but Gen Y on the inside. And we've, many of you are with me. We've been sold this lie that if we can just figure out our passion and live out our passion, like, life is going to make sense. And for, like, my grandparents' generation, they're like, what are you talking about? Get a job. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. All right. She's not talking about you, Manny. Don't worry about that. <laughs> We're going to talk after. Right? It doesn't even make any sense. But, but for many of us, it's like we've been sold that. And, and there's truth to that. God has wired you a certain way, and, and, and often that's an indicator of what we're meant to do is, is, is do we enjoy it? But if we're just so bent on these feelings, I want to feel good about my life. I just want to be happy. Parents, uh, I struggle with this too, but parents, if our goal for our children is just that they would grow up and be happy, ah, that bar is way too low. We're doing them such a disservice if our goal is for our kids to be happy. Happiness is good. Happiness is fine. But if it's our end goal just to feel satisfied, just to feel important, to feel like our work matters, we'll end up satisfied with the wrong stuff. Saul was satisfied while he was involved in genocide. His feeling of satisfaction did not mean he was living out God's purpose for his life. So in what ways might you be letting that goal of happiness 
Get in the way of God revealing more of his goodness to you and through you. In your, in your efforts and your energies to try to feel better about life, and are you missing what other things God might have for you? Feeling satisfied, feeling content, God wants that for us. But it's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. So if we're not going to find our purpose in power or performance or pleasure, where are we going to find it? Well, Saul figures this out in a pretty extraordinary way. As he's charging full steam ahead on his mission to eradicate Christianity, he encounters the very person, the very person he's been trying to replace, Jesus. Jesus intersects with him while he's going on, and in a flash of light and a voice from heaven, Saul ran face first into his true purpose in life. And what he almost immediately discovered is that purpose is not something we do. Purpose is not something we have to control, to arrange for, to organize for. It's not something we have to work ourselves to the bone for. It's not something we have to feel right about, feel good about. Purpose isn't something we do. Purpose is someone we know. Purpose is a person. Purpose is a person. It's Jesus. Saul was hell-bent on fulfilling his purpose. He thought he had it figured out. It goes down in the sewer. Jesus interrupts his quest. The same way he he wants to interrupt our quest for meaning and for purpose and all these things. He wants to interrupt those things and redefine what purpose actually looks like. Purpose is a person. Earlier in the New Testament when Jesus was asked, what was the point of life? What's the point of life? Jesus answers, the point of life is to know God and the one he sent, Jesus Christ. It's to be in this active, ongoing, joyful, adventurous friendship with Jesus. That's that's the point of life. Purpose is a person. Now, that's pretty easy to put on a bumper sticker. Purpose is a person. It's kind of clever. I could see the T-shirt. You can tweet that out to your followers. But, but so what? Purpose is a person. So what? Well, how, how is that good news? Well, I think it's good news in this. Because it means Jesus doesn't want to eradicate your personal, your, your purpose in life. He doesn't want to take all the things you've experienced, all the gifts and strengths you've developed, all those opportunities you've tried to make the most of. He doesn't want to take that and just throw that out and start over. That's that's not what he's interested in. He actually wants to take all of those things and simply repurpose them to use them in even bigger ways. So often we think of conversion or transformation as this 180-degree thing, right? So it's like I was going this way, but now I'm going this way. For Jesus, so often it's not that. It's it's far more nuanced, far more important. It's it's like a three-degree change. Like you've got all this stuff, you were, you, you were doing it, you even had some good intentions there, but all you needed was, was me, and then he's released. When Saul encounters Jesus and embraces him as his ultimate purpose, Saul's life changes from something very small to something very, very big. If Paul had just gone on with his purpose, there's no chance he would have shown up in Scripture. There's no chance we would know his name now. No chance. There's all kinds of people trying to kill Christians. He was no big deal. But it's because he embraced this Jesus that everything changed. So for Saul, who becomes Paul, the Paul that we know, God takes all of that training Saul had, all of his experience as a law keeper, as a law enforcer, all of his skills at debate and discourse, all of his relationships, all of his opportunities, he takes all of that stuff 
and he repurposes it for the kingdom of God. And it changes everything. See, God's not trying to get you to be something you're not. That's not his mission. He's actually trying to get you to be the fullest expression of who you truly are. Of who he made you to be. He's on a mission to do that. For you and through you for the rest of the world. That's what he does with Saul, and look what happens. He gets his name changed. That's kind of cool. But you want to talk about power. Paul's influence reaches out worldwide 2,000 years later and counting. His life is one of the most influential in all of human history. And it doesn't matter what your faith background, you can't argue that. You want to talk about performance. Paul's work and his message about Jesus literally transforms entire cultures, entire people groups, entire continents. This guy gave 110%. God took that 110% and then exponentially multiplied it. And you want to talk about pleasure, about satisfaction, about a sense of like, I have lived the life I was meant to live. Paul witnessed lives saved, people groups turn around, miracles and healings through him, around him. He saw Christianity go viral and just take over in a way that nobody, nobody would ever have predicted. He went on every kind of adventure. Not all of it was fun. In fact, a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it did not make him happy. But Paul was after so much more than happiness. He was after something bigger and more permanent because he knew there was something more at stake. He did this so much so that uh, toward the end of his life, Paul was able to write, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, to live means all the joy and adventure and intimacy and meaning and purpose that come with, with working with Jesus, living with Jesus. And to die is to be in his presence, fully satisfied forever and ever, win, win. To live is Christ, to die is gain. These are the words of someone who has learned this firsthand. He says, you want to feel satisfied with your life? Give it fully to Jesus and see what he does. You were made for a purpose. You know it. You have certain gifts, certain talents, certain opportunities and connections, certain dreams and ideas, and all of that matters. It all matters. God wants you to understand that about yourself. He wants to teach you how to leverage that more. And it's not an accident that you're alive in this particular point in history or live in your particular neighborhood with your particular zip code, even if you want to change zip codes. It's not an accident. God wants to use all of that stuff. He wants to give it that three-degree turn, repurpose it for him. There is a purpose to your life. Absolutely, there is a purpose. That sense that you're, you're dead on the money. That's it. There's a purpose to your life, a purpose even in your thirst for direction, a purpose in that confusion, that wandering around going, what am I going to do with my life? Or what do I do now? Or what is the purpose of this? There's a purpose in all of that. There's even a purpose in your suffering that so many of you are familiar with right this moment. There's a purpose in that. And that purpose is a person. So Jesus comes to us once again today. You and I, and he says, don't worry. Don't worry. I've got this. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. Don't keep striving aimlessly. 
Don't keep worrying how you'll make your mark on the world, how you'll really leave your legacy. Like, what's my significance here? Don't worry about that. Don't fret over how to get your passions and your gifts and the world's needs to line up. All that stuff matters. It's all important. But Jesus just says, look at me. Just look at me. Just stop. Inhale. Exhale. Look at me. And I will bless you, and I will bless others through you in ways you can't even imagine right now. Jesus graciously interrupts our quest for purpose, our quest for meaning, and says, here I am. Come. You're looking for purpose. Here I am. Come. So Jesus, we do come as best we can. As best we understand this stuff, we come and we say, use all this stuff that we have, all that we are. Use it in such a way that we would, we would find that sense of meaning and purpose, that satisfaction that goes way beyond happiness but, but gives us that strong sense that we are aligned with you, that we are about you, that we are in tune with you. Jesus, where we need clarity, bring that clarity. But God, would we want you even more than we want those answers to those big questions? Give us that desire. In Jesus' name, amen.